0: This is a Triple J Podcast. Hack. (laughs) This is the Hack Podcast. I'm Dave Marchese and we're talking greed, gouging, exploitation. Pretty dramatic. And apparently happening every day, whether it's supermarkets, airlines, energy companies, the big banks. They've all been called out by one of Australia's leading experts on competition. And he says it's time for governments to crack down. We're breaking down a big price-gouging report that's been handed down. Maybe you've seen a bit of it in the headlines. It's made some pretty big recommendations, including the power to break up duopolies like Coles and Woolworths. It wasn't the government that was doing this report, but the findings are being presented to the government. So is anyone listening? What could come of this? We're also asking, is it ever okay to steal? Because part of the cost of living crisis and the huge issue with high prices is we're hearing people are stealing more than ever before. Big supermarkets are saying they're having to really invest in anti-theft measures. We're going to unpack this really interesting question with an ethicist first, though. Hack.
1: I feel like $70.31 is the new 20 bucks.
2: On Triple J.
0: Why is it that excessive pricing is not against the law in Australia? That's what a big report into price gouging has asked. It's looked into prices across the board, whether it's what you're paying for power, flights, groceries, childcare, medication, and it's given a pretty scathing assessment, basically saying that rising prices in Australia are not just being caused by inflation, but also by greed, corporate gouging and profit pushing. Does any of that surprise you? Maybe not. It is what a lot of companies have denied for years. We're gonna unpack it, get a bit of analysis in a bit. But first, to explain what was in the report, here's Ellie Grounds. It's being called greedflation. My government is concerned about the price of what consumers pay. You come out with
3: one bag or two
0: bags and it's $100.
3: There's nothing you wanna talk about more than cost of living. But what's actually being done about it? The
0: Queensland government is demanding transparency from major supermarkets.
4: Australia's two supermarket giants will face scrutiny as Senate Inquiry investigates. The
0: ACCC to conduct a 12-month price inquiry into the supermarket industry.
3: And a separate report led by the former head of the ACCC, which was handed down today. Let's take a step back. In Australia, we have an independent body called the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, or ACCC. Now, the ACCC is all about promoting fair trading in Australia. It's also focused on competition. So ideally, there's not just one or two huge companies selling, say, groceries who can jack up prices because there's nowhere else
1: you can go. But in reality, if you live in certain suburbs, country towns elsewhere, there's no choice. It's not like you've got all three supermarkets alongside each other and you can go, I'm just going to go to Aldi or I'm just going to go to Coles or going to go to Woolworths. It's not like that. That's Sally McManus,
3: the head of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, which commissioned this report by Professor Alan Fells, the former head of the ACCC. Here are the three key things he found.
5: First, business pricing has contributed significantly to inflation.
3: For the last couple of years, we've been told inflation has been due to things like the war in Ukraine and the recovery from a slowed down economy during COVID. But actually, Professor Fell's reckons another big cause is just businesses hiking their prices up. And he's worried even as inflation comes down, Prices won't.
5: When costs rise, business prices rise fast like a rocket. When costs fall, business prices fall slowly to the ground like a
3: feather. Second, that there
1: are a whole bunch of dodgy and confusing ways that businesses set their prices, like loyalty tax. Sometimes if you're a long-term customer, let's say with an energy company and you're paying a certain amount each month and you don't look at it right, what they'll do is they'll sneakily keep putting up the prices. And if you're a new customer, they go, oh, guess what? It's like at this cheaper um, amount. Drip pricing. You know, a company will advertise, you can buy this for $10 and you go to buy it, then all of a sudden, oh, plus there's this extra two for this, an extra $3 for this. And something Professor
3: Fells calls excuseflation.
1: Where basically companies know that general inflation is happening anyway, let's just say because of overseas issues. And I think, oh yeah, everyone expects prices to be going up. So we'll just put them up a little bit more than we need to. And thirdly, that prices are being exploited in heaps of
5: industries. Banking, supermarkets, mobile telecommunications, internet service provision, energy retailing, gas supply and transport insurance, pathology services, domestic air travel. And on supermarkets in particular, he said this. The fact is that a monopoly or dominant firm can charge as much as it likes in Australia. And duopolists, providing they don't illegally communicate, can also charge high prices, higher even than would be the case, maybe, if they were an illegal cartel. So,
3: what does he reckon we should do about it? Professor Fells made 36 recommendations. He wants it to be an offence for businesses to charge excessive prices, and for the ACCC to be able to name and shame businesses who overcharge.
5: There's no part of government that focuses on high prices. The ACCC, worthy though it is, only deals with price collusion and occasional price references by the government.
3: So he wants a separate body set up to deal with that. And he also wants a current review to look at why governments unnecessarily restrict competition.
5: Refusing additional Qatar flights into Australia let Qantas charge prices about 30% higher than otherwise. And he wants a new
3: law that would let a court break up a big business if it reckons it's broken the law. So what have the big supermarkets had to say? Coles reckons high prices reflect inflation. Its profit margin last financial year was only 2.6% and it's disappointed the inquiry didn't engage with it. Woolies told us while inflation is moderating, it continues to be committed to ensuring customers get value with every shot.
6: Hack on Triple J.
0: Ellie Grounds with that update, hearing what you think on the text line as well. Someone says, ever since COVID, they've been ripping consumers off big time with everything from food to fuel. That's someone's opinion there. Another person says, you better believe the farmers aren't getting anything extra out of price increases either. I want to get a bit of an analysis now on this report, what it said with someone who's been looking at it. Wendy Ng is a competition law expert at the University of Melbourne and she's with us now. G'day, Wendy. Thank you very much for coming on Hack.
4: Hello. Thanks for having me. In your
0: opinion... What's your take on what the report has recommended? Because I guess a lot of people are saying, oh, it is scathing, but it seems to be just calling out a lot of bad behaviour that maybe heaps of Australians have been noticing for years.
4: That's true, but it's so powerful to see it all put into one document. It's one thing to have, you know, anecdotal evidence relating to individual businesses or industries, but to see it all set out like that comprehensively in a report really creates a powerful picture. So it's been great to see it come together. In terms of some of the recommendations, um, as a competition lawyer, one really stands out, which is to amend section 46 of Australia's competition statute to prohibit excessive pricing, which. Um, Is the case in the EU and also in the United Kingdom, for example. They have compositional uh, provisions that prohibit uh, companies with a dominant position from engaging in excessive pricing. But one of the challenges with that is that you still first need to prove that the business has substantial market power, which isn't easy. And honestly, in the past, the ACCC has chosen to take action against Coles and Woolies not under the competition law, but under consumer protection law because of the challenges with proving that Coles and Woolies have substantial market power, which to like a consumer like you and I, it seems obvious that Coles and Woolies has substantial market power, but it's another thing to prove it under the Act. That's also,
0: sorry. No, well, that's so interesting. And, I mean, that's where Alan Fells, who wrote this report, has really made some big recommendations on reform, saying things need to change. Maybe we need to be beefing up some areas, giving more power um, to other groups or governments. Do you think that's likely to happen?
4: I think most of the time governments are, and also the general public, have been quite hesitant or cautious about direct intervention, especially in prices. I'm not sure if you remember, but back in 1973, there was a a referendum that failed where the government of the day proposed to give the federal parliament more powers with respect to price so that they could do more to combat inflation. So the context or the environment at that time wasn't too much. Different to what we are facing now in a sense, but that referendum got voted down. So there is not this great appetite politically uh, to directly intervene in prices. But there are other things you could do, which is what uh, Professor Fells has recommended, such as creating this separate body to um, be devoted to monitoring and surveilling prices, and then also giving the AC um, the power to direct to themselves uh engage in market studies and the ACCC is like a body that is very well equipped to be able to dive in to understanding particular industries and markets and what is driving certain behaviour.
0: Why is it that Australia seems to have so many problems with competition, high prices? Like, Obviously, it's it's something that affects other parts of the world, other countries. But in Australia, is there something specifically that makes it more of a problem here?
4: I think there's at least a couple of things. One is that we are very geographically big, right? But the population is concentrated on the coastal areas, especially the East Coast. So... That has one kind of challenge that we face in terms of how big companies need to be in order to operate in particular areas, et cetera. And we're also a comparatively small economy. And so the argument is that the natural number of competitors is likely to be quite small in a number of sectors because of the size of our uh, economy. So those two factors have combined to... In a way, excuse or justify why there's, you know, doesn't seem to be that much competition that is going on in the market.
0: You mentioned what some other countries have been doing. What what are some of the actions we could see here um, taking a leaf out of those um, countries' book? Like, what, what are they doing specifically?
4: Well, some countries and even some states in the US, for example, they have direct price regulation powers and laws. So, um, especially as you can see, you know, during the pandemic, there are a number of countries that um, used those direct price control and regulation powers to contain the prices of various items, such as things like you know masks and um, even groceries and things like that. So there's that, but we don't have that in Australia. And other countries are looking to more aggressively or consistently enforce the prohibition on excessive pricing and their competition laws which again we don't have in australia and it's also incredibly difficult to figure out well what is an excessive or unfair price how do you what do you compare it to
0: some of those dramatic recommendations like naming and shaming businesses that sort of thing do you think that could work <laughs>
4: Potentially. It happened during um, when we introduced the GST and the ACCC was tasked with monitoring prices in the wake of the introduction of the GST to make sure that um, businesses weren't increasing prices more than they needed to under the cover of, oh, this is a GST. This is why this price has gone up. And it will kind of, I guess, one of the biggest assets that a company can have is their brand name and image. So if you name and shame them, it can really do damage to that. And it also can provide uh, consumers with more information about, well, which companies are engaging in price gouging on what type of products. And so hopefully it helps consumers to better decide with their feet on who they will go and buy products from.
0: This is Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Wendy a competition law expert at the University of Melbourne who's talking about this big report that was released today into high prices across the board in Australia, uh, price gouging, that kind of thing. Wendy, there are a few different probes into prices, cost of living at the moment. As someone who is a big um, researcher in this area, you've been covering it for a lot of time. Is it interesting to see the the huge amount of attention that's being put on it at the moment? Like, Have we ever seen anything like this where everyday Australians are uh, so um, involved and invested in figuring out what this problem is and how to fix it?
4: I haven't seen it at least in my lifetime. So it, it's, you know, in the past we've had inquiries and into specific sectors, but to have it be done across the economy is quite exciting and unusual, but it also points to the fact that the the political pendulum is really swinging. So, and this is part of what's happening overseas as well, is that there's a greater questioning, I guess, of well, what is competition, what are markets and what good have they brought to consumers? Have they delivered on their promise? And I think this is all, these number of inquiries are all part of that questioning of the benefits of having markets and how they are operating.
0: Well, it's definitely very interesting to unpack it a bit and to see the different takes, whether we've got, you know, a Senate inquiry looking into it, whether we've got this one uh, that was this report by a former head of the ACCC. We'll be bringing it all together. We'll be unpacking it over the next few months to make sure people understand exactly what is being recommended here. We appreciate your take on it. Competition law expert, associate professor at Melbourne Uni, Wendy Ng. Thank you very much for coming on
4: Hack. Thank you for having me.
0: And we've got a lot of messages coming through on this one. Someone says, insurance companies send you your annual policy and unless you read the fine print, you don't notice they've increased your payment, decreased your cover, and you pay more to make a claim. Someone else says, with unbridled competition, there's always a winner and they drag up prices. New systems are needed, particularly for things that are human rights like food and housing someone else. I think people need to take a bit of responsibility and actively shop around rather than just blaming someone else or relying on government to manage this. It's an interesting take, someone's opinion there. And another person says, remember when supermarkets said you could feed a family of four for under 10 bucks? I just bought a loaf of bread and two litres of milk, $9.70. Oh, that's actually a good segue into this other Interesting take.
7: Hack. I feel no guilt or remorse, because I feel like they're robbing from me as well. On Triple J.
0: Part of the cost of living story, high prices story is the very real impact obviously it's having on people. And what we've been hearing for some time, which probably surprises no one, is that there's been an increase in stealing, particularly from supermarkets. Now we know it's enough of a problem for the big supermarkets to boost security, pour millions of dollars into really trying to crack down on this. So how widespread is it, especially among young Australians? Ariana lucente has been looking into it. I take sort of expensive items that I otherwise wouldn't be able to afford.
7: I'm not a big foodie person. I'm not shopping for, you know, huge big meals. I'm literally shopping for myself um, and I still struggle to afford that. Have you ever sampled a grape in the fruit aisle at your supermarket? Maybe you've scanned through some avocados as onions at the self-checkout. Or you've tucked a couple of pricey stakes under your jacket and walked straight out the door. Stealing is nothing new. But as the cost-of-living crisis in Australia keeps biting, there are some people resorting to theft to get by. And they're not apologising for it.
0: They're the big two. They have a monopoly um, and they price couch. And I just, I, I feel no remorse. So if you're not stealing from them, you're getting stolen from.
7: Benji says he regularly steals from the big two, Coles and Woolies. So, what items does he usually take home?
0: Cheeses like Brie and stuff. It isn't in the budget. Sometimes I get a bit of meat, you know, some cured meats and stuff. Sometimes I get macarons.
7: Neve is in a similar boat. Cheese, tampons, pads. And then I'll just usually check out a couple of items, uh, big bulky ones mostly. And when it gets to about $20, $30, that's kind of my cutoff point. Let's be super clear here. Stealing is a crime. But as a trend, how widespread is this kind of thing? Well, some of the supermarkets Hack spoke to for this story say they're seeing an increase. And research from comparison website Finder late last year suggests it might be on the rise. It found that around 12% of Aussies were stealing because of financial stress. 95%
1: of what I earn goes towards bills and stuff
7: like that. So it only really leaves me with Maybe $40, $50 a week um, to kind of spend on other stuff. It's not really livable. So is it ever okay to steal? We asked Tim Dean from the Ethics Centre.
6: Theft is usually wrong, but there might be some exceptional circumstances where ethicists would say that theft is allowed. So if, for example, you are starving you need some food or if you are sick and you need some medicine and there is no other recourse, there's nowhere else that you can go, then perhaps in those extreme circumstances, theft might be permitted.
7: Putting food on the table is one thing, but how is that viewed when Coles and Woolworths have recorded big profits and are accused of price gouging.
0: They're stealing from me and they're stealing from everyday Australians and people who actually can't afford it. So I justify it by saying, you know, they make billions of dollars in profit. So I view it as a
6: victimless crime.
7: While the harm might feel low for some, Tim Dean reckons it's not quite victimless.
6: If there's enough theft from a particular outlet, that outlet is going to have to raise prices that outlet is going to have to invest more in security. So there are a couple of victims here. First, there is the business, but there are other people who are affected as well. There are all the other customers, including ourselves.
7: In a statement to Hack, Woolworths says it has things in place to help reduce retail crime, including a few covert measures. Cole say it has security personnel and CCTV, but also say their cameras, like the ones that show a live video of customers on their self-service screen, don't actually get recorded, but is it all enough?
6: So if we steal something, we're kind of tacitly endorsing stealing. That erodes the social norms. Ultimately, what we want to try to do is fix those systemic issues, go to the root cause, rather than punish a supermarket for what we perceive as a symptom of a grander problem. This is Hack on Triple J.
0: Ariana Lucente with that story. Messages coming through. Someone says, if I see somebody stealing food, I saw nothing. We all have a right to survive. That's someone's opinion there. Kate from Stemmoor says, I'm a social worker and I really think that social workers should be put in supermarkets to help address concerns where people are living in poverty and can't purchase food. And then if they get caught by security. It sounds strange, but I think it'd be worthwhile because you'd be addressing a lot of issues that are a lot of the social policy choices like cost of living and lack of government action. Interesting point from Kate there. Also, like to hear the ethicists kind of unpack it a little bit. And again, we're not condoning stealing at all. It's against the law, but it's something that is being reported a lot. The supermarkets are saying that it's happening. Uh, You're saying, people, that you're doing it. Another person, a reframe. Why are so many people having to risk incrimination just so they can eat? That was from Jules in Nam. All right, staying on finances, money, that kind of thing. Hack.
3: But here are a few simple ways that you can actually bite the bullet and start investing.
0: On Triple J. How financially literate do you think you are? We know money is tight, but if you've got a bit of spare cash, what do you do with it? a lot of people thinking, I don't have a bit of spare cash. Are you the one who's always giving money advice to your friends? Maybe they're making fun of you because you don't make the best financial decisions. You get a bit of cash, it flies out the door. Understanding money, the economy is more important than ever, especially for Gen Z. And there's one guy who really wants to boost education for young people, make finances more interesting and get people asking really important questions at a young age, even in high school, into adulthood. His name is Jagpreet Singh. He's a 26-year-old accountant from regional Victoria and one of the ABC's trailblazers. And they're people who have been chosen from across the country because they're working on projects to make regional Australia a better place. And they gather, you know, every year in Canberra to talk about some of the stuff that they're doing. Jagpreet's idea is pretty interesting and he's with us now to explain. G'day, Jag. Welcome to Hack. Great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Why do you think it is that a lot of young people don't understand money and finances?
2: Oh, there's there's a few causes. You, and I think the main cause is the attitude because, you know, growing up, there's no conversations around them and, and once you don't have any conversation around and you grow up all without it, in, you tend to have an attitude that it's not important, but that's not the case. Money is indispensable. From the day you're born to the day you die, you need it. And the traditional rules that say you don't talk money, politics, and religion in the family, I think that's hurting a bit. Then you don't have any exposure to how things work, and and like you know, and the, the more delayed the learning is, the worse the outcomes they are.
0: I guess it's different, like with family to family, but I think it's you know pretty safe to say broadly, generally, we don't talk a lot with our family about money when we're growing up. It's definitely not something you're talking about too much when you're a little kid. Are you someone that's always been interested in this world? I mean, you're an accountant now, so you obviously find this stuff pretty interesting, but were you always like that?
2: Well, my upbringing has been that way because my upbringing was was in India and how the culture is a bit different off that way. We tend to place a lot more importance on finances. doesn't matter how old you are, but you're taught the value of money from an early age. And this is probably where I got it from because all parents were not really too well off. So we had to prioritise things from an early age. And I think that's where I learned my lesson about the value of money. And I have always found money to be quite interesting in the first place. It's a resource which is easy to earn, but hard to manage. Is it
0: something you talk to your mates about? Because like, you're in your mid-20s. Do you bring up money a lot? Are you friends with a lot of other people who are also accountants or into finances? I've got mates
2: that come and ask me some questions because apparently they don't know anyone else they could go for an expert advice free. <laughs> 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 and, and I think it's highlights to me a bigger problem about the whole concept because they're they're in their mid twenties but they don't know these things. They probably should have you know known about them five years ago.
0: So you've come up with this program called Money for the Young. Can you explain what it is, how it works?
2: Well, so the Money for the Young is I'll tell you how the idea hit my mind back in 2022. I was working and um, I've been facing clients for a while and going through people's information. I think a lot of people today are stuck because of something stupid decisions they've made in the past relating to money. Now, so as a result, they can't borrow money today. They can't start planning for the life ahead. They have regrets about doing things they did 10 years ago when they thought, oh, we've got so much time to do things in life. You know, when, you, when, when they thought that, and now it's haunting them. That's where the idea for the money for the young came. We've started having some uh, some workshops in the town area, basically in the local government area, um, in the East Gippsland. Show, particularly Bansdale, where I live, we've had um, a couple of workshops. The primary age group was about 16 to 24 so far. And I try to make those workshops. It's not a lecture. It's it's actually a chat. That's how we frame it so that they are interested. Because you gotta understand, you're talking to a 16-year-old about money. You're going to put them to sleep if you don't make it interesting. <laughs> So that is what I I, I decide to do. And and we we cover a lot of topics. It could be they say, oh, I've got to start now working. What do I need to do? Do I need a tax file number? Do I need to pick a superannuation fund? So someone who's 20 years old probably has already done that bit now and wants to say, oh, I want to buy some shares, so start saving for a house. I think what you're saying
0: about people being generally curious is true. Like, and even if I think back to when I was first starting work and stuff, I was interested in money and finances and how to make the most of it and wanted to make good decisions, but I also felt like I didn't have anyone to ask the questions, like to anyone to get advice from. So what it sounds like you're saying is as soon as you provide that scenario, you say, I'm here to answer your questions. A lot of young Australians have heaps of questions. They actually want to know more.
2: Oh, yeah. I agree. There's more questions than answers out there. There's one
0: particular part which has maybe changed with this generation. It's a lot of young Australians are getting their advice from social media, Finfluences, that kind of thing. What do you think of that?
2: I think it's it's very dangerous. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be you know listening to someone talking on TikTok and talking about how you you know how you should manage your money because often see all these influencers making big amounts of money out of all these social media. They're selling products, they're promoting services, and I think they they've got their own interest in there. So you know I wouldn't take their advice to be all free
0: of bias. Interesting point. So check your sources. Make sure whoever's telling you something has the credentials, has experience to yep. back it up. Do you reckon it's something that we should be seeing more of like in the curriculum at school? We learn about science, maths, we should be learning finances in that same way.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think life skills is one thing that they have to teach you. I think if they're not doing that, more prone to make a mistake if you don't know. And and I think it's it's quite strange. Money is everywhere. Money is you gotta use it, you gotta have it. You can't live without it, but no-one actually tells you what to do and how to how to deal with it. Isn't that strange?
0: It is weird when you think about it. <laughs> this is Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I am speaking with Jagpreet Singh, a 26-year-old accountant from regional Victoria who's one of the ABC's trailblazers, people doing pretty amazing things, coming up with programs, ideas to make regional Australia even better than it is. Jag, you're in Canberra this week with a lot of other young Australians from regional areas talking about your plans for the future. Uh, how are you finding it? How's it been?
2: Oh, I think it's been quite productive. And uh, I've met so many people out here doing so many good things. And I'd, I'd say the, the places that come from you know, Outback WA, have got some people from the tip of the continent up the north side. I myself come from the tip of the country the south and the south side. There's so many other different people. I think it's 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 been an amazing, amazing journey. We work together and there's there's a friendship that's come along it too.
0: ABC Trailblazer Jagpreet Singh, thank you very much for explaining money. We look forward to hearing more about your program and, and everything else you do. Thank you,
2: Jag. Cheers, David. Thank you. Hack
0: on Triple Jack. Yeah, a lot of people messaging in about financial literacy and how much they know about money. Some people say, I feel like I never learned enough about it at school. Someone else here says... I actually feel really comfortable talking to my partner about it. I struggle, though, with my parents. And I think maybe that's because I know a bit more and they're not willing to hear about new ideas. That's an interesting take. Also, some messages still on the theft story that we did about people admitting to stealing from supermarkets, for example. And just to be clear, we're not condoning it, but someone says... Um, The rest of us are paying for people that casually steal from supermarkets. This is theft, plain and simple. That was from Dan in Campertown. Another person says, that's ridiculous. Steal if you're hungry, go for it. But don't steal for luxury items like camembert cheese. A lot of different opinions there. We're going to keep covering cost of living, obviously. One of the biggest issues of this year. But that is all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. See ya. Hack